0: Every day's a Monday is exactly that—a new opportunity to turn it all around. It's a fresh start. See, as men, we walk in this world desperately wanting to understand who we are and what our purpose is, and how do we get there? We get there through a foundation and a systematic approach, and that is everything we talk about on the podcast. We are a brotherhood, and we recognize and understand that without a foundation, without a system put into place, we cannot be successful. Our light resides deeper within ourselves through the darkness that wants to consume us. It is our duty to seek out after our light in order for us to walk in this world with our purpose and to become fearless warriors. All right, welcome back to Everyday is a Monday. I have an incredible, jam packed, controversial show today. My guest is Ben Bathin. He's a brilliant computer engineer who once worked for Google, EA Sports, created games such as Rockstar, and the notorious Grand Theft Auto. Ben talks about how his problems started in his mid 20s. He was overly stressed, pulling 80 plus hour work weeks as a programmer. Between 2004 and 2008, he started seeing a therapist. She spent every session convincing him to take SSRIs, or better known as selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. But to all of us, antidepressants. This included Prozac and Lexapro. In 2017, he had an adverse reaction to it and called her emergency phone line in Springfield, Virginia, which resulted in her filing criminal charges against him and lied under oath when she knew it was the medication causing the episode. This is an incredible episode. Don't miss it. It's going to be massively jam-packed. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to every day. is a Monday. I have an incredible guest on the show, Benjamin Bathin. His story—I'm not even going to do it justice, so I'm just going to let him kind of get into his story. But today's episode is really focusing on SSRIs, big pharma, um, the manipulation, the money, what they do on a on a daily, monthly, yearly, what they've done for the last twenty plus years to absolutely eviscerate and destroy not just the mental health, but also our social constructs and what they're doing to us from a cultural standpoint. So Ben, please introduce yourself. I want to, I want everyone to hear what your story is. I want them to learn about you. Uh, so let's do a deep dive. Okay, okay so no, I'm a former partner. technical
1: yep. artist in the, in the video game industry. Uh, between 2004 and 2008, uh, I consulted with a therapist while I was working for Disney in uh, in Hollywood, California. I worked for a couple of different video game studios. So it was Rockstar Games down in San Diego, the guys that made Grand Theft Auto. Um, then I was at Disney. We made the video game version of Pirates of the Caribbean. And then my last games project was uh, Rock Band. Uh, I was a senior tech artist on Rock Band 2, the Beatles Rock Band, and Rock Band 3 up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And basically during that time period, you know, it's a it's a stressful career field, uh, layoffs are common, it's long work hours. I consulted with a therapist and uh, within the first couple of sessions, you know, they sit you down, they have you fill out the paperwork, there's a bunch of like legal waivers and things that you have to set, sign. Um, and within the first couple of sessions, and probably a lot of people have been through this, they will really start pushing uh, drugs, medication, right? So... Uh, and, and they're very experienced at doing that. You know, initially I, um, declined. There's a stigma about it. I grew up on military bases, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of rules about, you know, what kind of medications you can take and what you can't. Uh, so eventually this therapist tells me it's my moral and ethical obligation to make sure you're taking this medication and then hands me a yellow sticky note with the word fluoxetine. 60 milligrams, um, written out on it. Uh, and then gives me, you know, directions, the address to the psychiatrist's office where I'm supposed to go pick this up. I walk in, talk to the psychiatrist for about 15 minutes. It's not a difficult conversation. Are you bummed out? Yes. Okay. Here's your prescription for Prozac, right? Fluoxetine is the, uh, the active ingredient in Prozac. Uh, and so long story short, Years later, I end up having an adverse reaction to um, this medication, SSRI medication, and there had never been any warning about violent reactions. What they what they do tell you is, uh, in any emergency, here's this phone number to call. Right, this is the confidential emergency phone number.
0: And, and Ben, you never, Ben, real quickly, you never prior to this. Prior to this, Ben, real quickly, never before you never had any like as you said you grew up in a military base. This was something that for you there was never any. Um, this wasn't something that was that was normal for you, right? Like like we see it a lot. Obviously, this is something that continued to become very systemic in our society. Is that if there's any issues at all, it's let's just put people on medication. Let's not let's not get to the actual root problem and said we just want to focus on the symptoms. So for you, I'm, I'm very curious and I want you to keep going, but I'm curious what was it that made you for somebody that hadn't done it before, say, okay, you know what, maybe I'm willing to try this. Uh, Was there a reason what made you make that decision?
1: Yeah, Uh, a friend of mine died. Um, So basically, the conversation with the therapist is there's there's common layoffs in the video game industry, and during the last layoff from Rockstar Games, our character modeler worked worked himself to death, actually. You know, we were pulling 80-hour weeks, and uh, Carlos Hernandez just – One day I got an email from a lead artist, you know, after we all left. And they said, um, they said Carlos Hernandez, uh, had had a heart attack and, he fell over and had a heart attack and died in the bathroom of the studio. Basically, yeah. shortly after that, you know, up until then...
0: Do, do you think it was from? Did they know what the cause was? Did they know what the cause was? Was it drugs? No, was it, it was, was, it, it, was, was like, it just overworked? Do you know? Did they ever find out what the cause yeah, was? He was They're about thirty autistic?
1: years old. He had uh, some issues with his heart, but uh, you know, his brother had the same thing, and uh, and he's still alive today. So, you know those those kinds of excessive working conditions. That that can happen. You know, somebody that worked in entertainment for yeah. a little bit over 10 years. I know lots of guys, people drive their cars off the road, falling asleep, driving home from work on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, it turned out this guy had a heart issue that nobody knew about. And the excessive working conditions and the stress, he just fell over and dropped dead. Um, and then that combined with the, the layoffs and having to get a new job, You walk in and talk to a therapist that looks like a doctor's office. She's telling you that she's a doctor. I don't think there would be any reason to believe that there's anything illicit about taking the medication or or any reason to doubt it. You know, Um, I I think most people are a little bit suspicious of... Psych meds, but they're very good about reassuring you, you know, this is going to help you. This isn't going to have any real side effects. Uh, They tell you it's going to cause insomnia, maybe some weight gain. You might have a little bit of anxiety. What they do not tell you and what a lot of people do not know is uh, even as early as 1987, immediately after the release of Prozac, they touted it as this this wonder drug that was going to cure a chemical imbalance and make us all feel better. Uh, immediately after the release of Prozac, uh, a bunch of reports of completely insane incidents of violence with no real motive started pouring into the u.s food and drug administration and if you go back to the transcripts of those initial hearings that they held in 1991 uh people were testifying as early as 1991 that you have to take these medications off the market that there are additional side effects that are not being listed that eli Lilly is not telling the public about and there's there's been enough litigation about that now Uh, They call it discovery when people file lawsuits against the company. Uh, They did force the release of lots of company records. And Eli Lilly and a a number of these other drug manufacturers that are making this stuff, um, they did know that their product does cause uh, violence and aggression uh, prior to uh, the release of the drug. And if you watch that initial 1991 hearing, there's a panel of FDA officials. There's 11 FDA officials sitting in front of a crowd of people. And a couple hundred people get up and say, you know, my wife shot both of our children and then shot herself twice immediately after being prescribed Prozac. That's Tucker Moneymaker's testimony from the 1991 transcript. What they didn't advertise is that five out of the I think it's five or six out of the 11 FDA officials sitting at the front of that hearing had to get waivers uh, because of financial conflicts of interest that they had with the pharmaceutical industry. So, for example, Dr. David Dunner from Washington State had a $32 million contract awarded to him by Eli Lilly. At the same time, he was sitting on the panel of FDA approval officials deciding whether or not to approve uh, Eli Lilly's flagship product, Prozac, right?
0: It's it's such it's such bullshit to see the swapping of. This is why I, I get so angry when people start, even with the most recent COVID vaccinations. Everybody was so gung ho to believe what the pharmaceutical companies are saying because the mass media was pushing it. We'll talk about who's backing the mass media, who's financially you know oh, benefiting from it. But yeah, it's no Pfizer, different than Monsanto, yeah, yeah. And the, and the
1: other thing that I point out is that the United Absolutely. States, I mean, I, you, the only countries. That allows pharmaceutical companies to run paid advertisements on television, television.
0: They're also one of the only countries that that makes pharmaceutical companies immune from being able to get sued uh, for financial repercussions for any types of injuries from it. Right. So it's no different than Monsanto, where you have people that work for the FDA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have people that work for Monsanto that now work for the FDA and vice. why is the Food and Drug Administration? Why are they in one particular unit? Why are they one? Why are they one official uh, uh, you know, office? It doesn't make any sense to me because I'll tell you the next thing that they've been poisoning is our food. Yeah, to your point. I mean, these are the things they swap back and forth. Uh, it's no different than I, I brought this to everyone's attention, all my friends and family. I thought I was crazy until they looked it up. But I don't know if you're familiar with this. But Michael Chernoff, right after 9-11, Michael Chernoff was the head of Homeland Security. Michael Chernoff left Homeland Security. And it just so happened that it was really convenient that he started working for a company that sold body scanners. Well, how ironic that right after the underwear bomber came through, they now need to implement all the body scanners. In, in. Well, guess who made a fortune off it? Michael Chernoff. People need to really look into these people that are switching positions. They're either coming from or they're going to, right? Back and forth. But it's it's and then what happens is the politicians, they get insider trading like Nancy Pelosi, who ends up making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Because let me tell you something. These guys aren't making money from their, you know, hundred thousand dollar year. Uh, salaries from being senators or, or, you know, governors, what they're making their money on is insider trading. They're leveraging. That's what they're doing and they're betting against the people. And we're the ones that are being duped. I, I hate to go off on that tangent, but I, I just, when I hear these things and I hear the things that happen with you, and I, I also think there's, there's psychological warfare being done. And I'm curious because I, I want to touch before you continue. I want to ask you about Grand Theft Auto because it's something that when I was a kid, I remember when I kid, I was in my twenties playing Grand Theft Auto. But I remember playing it. I remember the the the, the psychological warfare, the the um, the conditioning it was making my brain. Right. So, like my friends and I would get together, we would smoke a shit ton of weed, and we'd be playing Grand Theft Auto, and we <laughs> we play for hours. I mean, fucking hours. And I'll never forget me and one of my really good friends were they were leaving the house, and there was a cop car across the street, and the and I looked at him and I said, "You know what's so fucked up?" And he goes, "What?" I said, "There's this thing in my brain right now that wants me to go over and like." Beat the shit out of the cops. Take them out of the car. Go for, like, a, a joyride. Because, you know, you do that in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering, you know, to the point of of looking at Call of Duty, looking at – I, I want to ask you, and I don't know if you ever saw this on uh, at the level that you were at, but was there any type of, of military involvement or government involvement in also utilizing these types of tools as recruitment uh, techniques to be able to pull people in? Because it is. It's psychological warfare.
1: How – any system that's working, follow the money, right? And and it's actually, my dad was a criminal prosecutor in the army. And he used to always say the same thing, follow the money, right? And it's not that hard to do because these are government positions. A lot of, at least if they're working for the FDA, they have to publicly disclose any financial conflicts that doesn't exclude them from working for the FDA. But they are making 10 times as much money Consulting for pharmaceutical companies outside of the FDA, as they are for sitting on that panel. So um, basically,
0: they they are heavily involved in the lobbyists too. They're heavily involved in lobbying because they know the game, they know the rules, they know where they can make your right. It is it's it is it's a money game, and and they publish it in in they publish it in the public's eye because you have to hide. You, it's much easier to hide things in plain sight because people aren't going to look. They don't pay attention to it. They take, they take their marching orders from Anderson Cooper or Rachel Maddow or, you know, well, they go to uh, a
1: matter. type of stuff. And actually the videotapes of the FDA hearings still exist, but they made everybody that entered the conference center sign a waiver. They gave them copies of the videotapes, but they can't play the in its entirety. Right. And, and the, the, It's like these guys, I mean, they've definitely thought this through, right? Because if you're going to use a video recording in court as evidence, one of the rules is you have to play the video entirely. You can't crop it, right? So a lot of that has been left out of the litigation that's been going on since 1987. Where was I in 1987? I was like 10, Yeah, you know, uh, this has been going on so long that a lot of the people who were testifying against Eli Lilly at those hearings, you know, I went to go look them up and it turned out they retired and, and passed away of old age 10 years ago. Um, so anyway, the government and the FDA have known they've had four different hearings, right? It was like, um. November of 1991, February of 2004, uh, December of 2004, and then December of 2006. And at each one of these hearings, uh, a ton of people, hundreds of people got up. The transcripts of this is on my website as well as some of the videos and testified that these medications definitely cause extremely violent behavior. It was totally uncharacteristic of, uh, of their family members to, to do these completely horrific acts. Um, you know, and the, the FDA eventually caved in and said, okay, we're going to put this very limited warning that warns about suicidal ideation in teenagers. And that, that warning is completely inadequate. The drugs don't just cause suicidal ideation in teenagers, it causes both homicide, suicide, and other acts of violence in all ages, right? Even adults. Um,
0: well, and it's and it's also at a primary time when. See, this is this is this is and I'm, is definitely done on purpose.
1: It's called the uh, pediatric pharmacovigilance uh, psychiatric review, right? The the FDA never goes back and reviews these adverse drug event reports that they receive from the public. For adults, but they do go back and do it for ch- for kids, for pediatric use. And so there's an entire chapter in that report dedicated to homicidal ideation uh, that came about in 11 to 14 year olds when they tried giving it to uh, elementary school students, uh, including reports of the elementary school students then all started trying to strangle each other in class right after they give them medication. But the FDA still won't openly admit it's the mania-inducing murder-suicide pills we gave the uh, the 11-year-olds that made them start scrambling each other, right? They just say, well, maybe all those 11-year-olds just had a – maybe they were all schizophrenic, and that just tipped them over the edge. I'm not quite sure what the logic is.
0: The logic is that it's it's exactly like the book. A brave, you and I kind of touched on this, right? A brave new world, right? These, these, this idea of of you know, nineteen eighty four, right? Because it it ushers in a police state. That's what nineteen eighty four is all about. Look, Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley. Julian Huxley was heavily into writing about this and how you can mass manipulate people and how you can control them. It's what Soma is in a brave yeah, they, new world, it's funny,
1: right? Yeah, it's the, the happy brave. pills.
0: It's the happy pills. It's not actually making I was people happy. To somebody
1: else about this just the other day.
0: And, and go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I, I literally brought up the two books that you just mentioned, Brave New World and 1984, right? I, and I, anytime I go back and I look at Aldous Huxley's book, right, this is a guy who in the 1930s is writing about a drug that's using, being used for mass mind control, Uh, you know, 50, 60 yep. years before Eli Lilly synthesized it at the behest of the uh, CIA, right? So how did this guy know? I mean, I just keep, wondering, yep. like, how did he know all this stuff? Like, who is this guy? It's amazing. I don't know if there's ever going to be.
0: He was heavily tied in. He was heavily tied into the big guys. I mean, you know, even even, you know, Carol Quigley, he wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope. And in, in Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, he specifically talks about being heavily involved with, you know, what people would say is the Illuminati or the, the New World Order. These, these, you know, when I say these things, people immediately start associating me with being a conspiracy theorist, but I, I ask them the question, is what I'm saying more of a conspiracy or is what they believe, you know, the real conspiracy, right? Like this idea of understanding there is a consortium of individuals that try to manipulate mass control. We see it right now. I mean, if you look at who owns, Who has heavily invested in all the pharmaceutical companies, in all the real estate companies, in all of the major uh, financial institutions? If you look at all of the uh, uh, real estate holdings when it comes to things like hotels, it's BlackRock. It's Vanguard, right? They're all heavily involved in it. These guys make a tremendous amount of money. Off of breaking individuals, and it's much easier to control a dumbed down, a dumbed down nation. I mean, look, the 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 Russians did it, the Germans did it in World War II. They were putting fluoride in the water because they knew it was going to be doing two things. One, it helps rot the brain, and actually will reduce the 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 penile uh, section of the brain, right? To 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 help stunt people, and on top on top of that, it also ruins people's reproductive organs, right? Why? Because it's about sterilization. I mean, again, this ties into guys like. Bill Gates, who goes on TED Talks and says in 2016, if we do a really good job, we can reduce the world's population through vaccination. Well, oh, how the fuck are you going to do that really unless you're that? poisoning people? <laughs> this, so yeah, in 2016. Yeah. In a TED Talk. And, and everyone was clapping and cheering him on. You know, back to Aldous Huxley, he, he was very much heavily. He was heavily tied into those guys. I mean, you you touched on it, right? Eli Lilly. And for those of you out there that don't know, and, and you, what I would also say is the same thing I said when I when I talked to Dr. Yoho, don't believe what, what Ben and I are saying. Go do your own research. So he made a comment, Benjamin just made a comment about how Eli Lilly was connected to the CIA. And what he's talking about is he's talking about MKUltra.
1: I'm hesitant to talk about that aspect of it because I'm afraid of getting lumped in with, okay, this guy is a conspiracy theorist. It's a mass conspiracy I'm sort of split. Is it a mass conspiracy or is it just mass stupidity? How is this happening? I, I grew up on a military bases. My dad was a federal government employee for his entire life, and I've never had any doubts that the, the federal government was this benevolent organization that's out there to help everybody until I woke up going through psychiatric drug withdrawal in a single-cell environment at China, you know? And then I like,
0: but I mean, here's the thing. Uh, but 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 then, for people to say that that it's a conspiracy theory, I mean, again, just like the actual definition of conspiracy theory is a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as a result of a secret plot by a usually powerful conspirator. Well, I mean, people. I, what I would say is, if you don't believe it, great. Uh, have you seen The Manchurian Candidate? Uh, yeah. Have you seen things no, like these, Jason Bourne? Yeah. Right. These things are They're done because they come from fashion. somewhere.
1: Sure, and candidates, right? Now, they make movies from so it. Just bizarre. bizarre. Uh, if you go back and you,
0: oh, no doubt. I mean, but but sorry, go ahead. Go. Ahead. If, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, all I was going to say was that you know this goes back. This goes back to to you know to to Operation Mockingbird. And Operation Mockingbird, I believe, was in the 1950s. I'll look it up while we're talking. But Operation Mockingbird was the CIA heavily co opting and being involved in everything that the mass media puts out. Because they understood, you know, one of the, the very first guys, it was uh, Sigmund Freud's um, Sigmund Freud's uh, nephew and uh, Edward Bernays. And Edward Bernays is considered the father of propaganda. And he talked about how he can mass manipulate people, especially through mass media and utilizing things like radio, television. At the time, it was talking about radio, newspapers, television. He was the one that really helped push things like, I'll give you an example bacon. Bacon was a byproduct of pigs that couldn't be utilized. So he decided to say, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk to the pig. I'll get the pig farmers to start utilizing this and we'll do an entire campaign by saying breakfast isn't breakfast without having bacon. So bacon and eggs is what made breakfast. What became a smash hit? Bacon's huge. It's about manipulating people. See, all we have to do is we need to to slightly give it to people, it's like giving the little pill, right? And then allow them to come up with they believe that this is their idea. It's not their idea. We've been we've been continually right. being indoctrinated on a daily basis, all the time. Music, television, Absolutely. things we see. Absolutely. So, so anyway, okay, keep so going. To
1: clarify the origin of these drugs. There is a type of mold. It's called the ergot, right? And that is what caused the Salem witch trials. That you know, when historians go back and look at it. They believe that the, the food source, the bread that they had at the time, grew this mold. And it's naturally occurring, right? It's not genetically engineered or anything like that, but it causes all kinds of hallucinations, causes aggressive behavior. Um, and that's what happened to these young women and girls who were, who were labeled as witches and burned at the stake. During the Cold War in the 1950s and 60s, uh, the CIA was interested in using it as a weapon. And so they contacted a number of European companies and attempted to buy out all the Ergon, right? But they found there just wasn't enough of a supply. Uh, and so they started a program called MKUltra, and MKUltra um, financed Eli Lilly. They contracted them, uh, and that's where LSD comes from. They wanted to s- synthesize a drug that had a similar effect. Right. And then later, once the recipe for LSD came out, guys like Timothy Leary went around, um, you know, touting it as this mind opening drug that's going to open your consciousness. Right. And then we had like really bad fashion designs for about 20 years throughout the 60s and 70s. Eventually.
0: And Terrence McKenna, both of them, by the way, both Terrence McKenna and, um, and, uh, oh God, what's was his name? Yeah. Shit. T- thank you. Timothy Leary and Terrence McKenna were also heavily involved at the CIA. Yeah.
1: And you, but, you know, the, the, the scariest connection there that doesn't really have an explanation is who was the director of the CIA? The very, the first George Bush, not W, but George Bush Sr., was uh, in charge of the CIA. That's what he did before he was president. Well, who was also on the board of Eli Lilly when Prozac got approved and when it was originally synthesized, the first George Bush, George Bush Senior, right? So are these FDA officials, you know, regardless of how many women get out there and say my daughter took Prozac and ended up setting herself on fire and she's dead now, are the FDA officials going to tell George W. Bush – or, or George Bush, we're, we're not approving your company's drug, right? Because we heard a lot of really sad stories. No, absolutely not. You know. And then if you if you tack on thirty two million dollars, forget about it. Uh, anyway, when when LSD finally was made, did, did
0: you did you by any chance did did you have a real quickly think about the hold, hold that stop for one second? Did you did you have a conversation with Robert Yoho about uh, Naomi uh, Naomi Wolf?
1: That name sounds so. funny. Did he bring her up at all? I talked to him a couple of times. He's a really smart guy. It's almost intimidating how smart he, you know. Because he's awesome.
0: I know. I I kept calling him doctor (laughs) the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Well, every time when I was interviewing him, I kept calling him doctor. He's like, "You can call me Robert." I'm like, "No, you're still a doctor. You're way smarter than me. We're not on the same playing field." But you know, we talked about Naomi Wolf. Naomi Wolf. She worked for big pharma. She worked for Goldman. Well, that's not true. She worked for Goldman Sachs. and then Goldman Sachs, who heavily invests in a big pharma, she ended up becoming a consultant. And she was having conversations with them talking about how big pharma and, and these large uh, investment firms um, would have risk analysis when medication would come out. And they would say, okay, what is the likelihood that if there is some backlash and we get sued that we would have to pay out? Because they still do pay out some. They go, how much can we profit? and what would that cost be uh, if we have to then settle and it's pennies and the dollar. so they would continually have this with things like you know zoloft and Paxil and Fenfen back in the day and all these drugs that you know they market 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 how great it is and then everyone takes it cuz it's a new magic pill and then everyone gets fucked up from it and then you know 5 years down the road people are dying they're covering up a lot of it and then all of a sudden they're like, "We're gonna we recalled it. It's bad." And then you see the lawyers that are out there making a ton of money because they're saying, "We can get you paid." Let's do a class action lawsuit, and they get minimal oh, amounts like of money. It's, it's just it's, it's, it's literally it's just like Eli
1: Lee has that in the. Um, yep, that to them is like when I go through a toll on the highway, you have that little bin next to you in your car that's got like quarters <laughs> and nickels in it. You know, I mean, it's it's less than that to them. It's not even a parking ticket. Yep. So so to put the numbers into perspective, in 1989, there there was a very famous case, right? It's called the Joseph Westbecker case. I'm not sure if it's Westbecker or Weisbecker, right? But he was an employee at a company called Standard Gravure, uh, which was a printing company. And uh, he had some mental health problems. He was prescribed Prozac. Uh, This was less than two years after Prozac's initial approval, uh, he walked into his employer with an AK-47, armed to the teeth. Uh, he had like a couple other handguns on him, a uh, shotgun, I believe, and he gunned down 20 people um, in that in that workplace. You know, it's a mass shooting. It's one of the worst ones. Uh, and then committed suicide. And it, you know, it was readily apparent from the discovery that Prozac was in fact the cause of that shooting. So they went to court, and uh, the family members tried suing, right? Uh, and, you know, they were they were proceeding through the trial. And all of a sudden, they, they reached an emergency settlement out of nowhere, right? And, uh, and Eli Lilly said, hey, you know, we've settled the case out of court. Great news. Prozac has been exonerated. We're not the cause of this horrific mass shooting, Right. Uh, and everybody went about their business. What what came out ten years later was that without the judge's consent or knowledge, Eli Lilly had paid the remaining survivors of the mass shooting uh, in in excess of twenty million dollars to simply stop testifying and withhold the remainder of the evidence and discovery. Right? And and that's a documented fact, right? Uh, so they knew. It's not like they didn't know, right? But $20 million, if you look at the sales of Prozac from about 10 years ago, again, these sales statistics are outdated. Just Eli Lilly is receiving in excess of $8 million every single day from sales of Prozac. Not, not a year, a day. So that's like two and a half days profits for them. And they maintain their drug approval. And yep. they still continue to, to dispense these drugs. With the the success of that first SSRI, Prozac, uh, other companies started to look into, you know, can we manufacture an antidepressant? And that's where you see these other brand name selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So Levox, Paxil, Paxil is one of the worst ones from GlaxoSmithKline uh, being manufactured. And they are all FDA approved now too. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where, uh, shortly before the shutdown, one in five people—that's twenty percent of the population—are now on some type of psychoactive substance. Right? Well, their argument for their argument against removing approval for the drug is these incidents are extremely rare. Right? Somebody becoming violent like that. There are other factors. It's extremely rare. That hardly ever happens. Well, side effects that are extremely rare cease to be extremely rare when you prescribe them to 40 million people, (laughs) right? This is like eighth grade math, right? I mean, it's multiplication and division. Uh, And so when you're seeing incidents like that, there's no doubt in my mind um, that many of the incidents of, of mass violence, not just the shootings, any time that you see something that just has absolutely no sense to it, uh, there was a woman, um, Andrea Yates, I remember it was a big story in the 90s, went totally crazy and drowned all five of her children in a bathtub while her husband was out shopping for groceries.
0: I remember that. What was
1: not yep. advertised in that case is right before she drowned all five of her children in, in the bathtub, she was prescribed more than double the uh, the maximum dosage of effexor, which is uh, extremely dangerous, even more dangerous than Paxil. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is that like these were totally normal suburban people before these types of incidents happened. Before the medication, Andrea Yates was the, the valedictorian of her high school, right? Uh, but in her case specifically, I think they spent $10,000 on her legal defense. The state of Texas paid one single medical expert in excess of $250,000 to put her away. So as far as the financial side of it, I mean, the patients have no hope here. <laughs> I mean, they really don't. Uh,
0: well, I, because because there's too much money in it. I mean, the, look, the they've already said that the fort. I'll give you an example. You know, we we talked about you kind of started to bring it up. So let's fucking just open up Pandora's box. Uh, you know, Eric Harris uh, and and um, and the guy Holmes uh, were taking Zoloft. Uh, you know, the 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 Fort Hood shooter was on was on a, a antipsychotropic medication. Uh, I you know, uh, Adam Lands all these. I will I'm. I, I this is but again this is where people with NSA and conspiracy theorists everyone's so hyper focused on guns 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 that's the problem right an inanimate object by the way for everyone out there forty three thousand people last year were killed in cars in car accidents should we stop driving cars how about we get rid of cars what about fucking baseball bats what about knives right blunt objects we you it's an inanimate object it's the individuals that are causing it. Now, do I think there should be background checks and, and more proficient background checks? Sure. Do I think that a 16 year old kid needs an AR? No, not really. But that's that's besides the point to blame. The gun as the problem. I want to know why not a single person that's been on television, not a single investigator, not a single police officer. No one has brought up the fact that every single one of these mass shooters. And I guarantee the one in Texas, because when they do, at some point, it will be released. Not now, probably four or five years from now when no one's thought about it. Right. No one's it's not now making news or not using it as a political agenda to try to reduce people's right to bear arms. I will guarantee you that he's on some type of of, of psychotropic medication. It just happens because that's what's happening with all these people. We are seeing the mass shooting increases. We're seeing suicide increases. We just went through a a horrific pandemic where we saw suicides skyrocket, alcoholism skyrocket, drug use skyrocket. And why? Because, again, now we go back and we talk about things like ZBIG Brzezinski, in the 1970s wrote something called the technocratic age and he talked about ushering us into a a world government system that was completely functioning from a a computer an ai system we 're seeing this more and more now. We talked about you know um, uh, why am I blanking on on the guy from the world uh, the world uh, economic um, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab wrote, uh, you know, the fourth industrial revolution. Again, I'm going off on a tangent here and I, I don't want to, cause I want to kind of bring it back. But my point of this is, is that you have people that have now, Gerald Salenti, who is a trends forecaster, he's a historian, he's a trends forecaster, and he says, when people lose everything and they have nothing else to lose, they lose it. And this is what's happening because these drugs are also sparking it. We already are having people that are in a fucked up position. And now what we do is we say to them, you're depressed, you're having a hard time, you're stressed out with your life, don't worry about it. I have the magic pill. This is going to make you feel great. And then what happens is it's causing them to have these reactions in society where they don't know how to deal with what's going on inside. They have outbursts, they have a weapon, and they're killing people. Okay, why don't we ever blame any of it on the pharmaceutical drugs? Why? Because they make too much money and they're in the pockets of all of our politicians. And that's the fact.
1: And one statistic that I found that I, I thought was really blew me away Uh Just shocking is that uh, the pharmaceutical companies and big pharma are now the largest financial contributor to both the Congress and the Senate. Uh, More even, they contribute more than twice as much as all Department of Defense contractors combined, right? So that means Lockheed, Northrop Grumman, uh Raytheon all of them, the guys that are building our aircraft carriers, F-16s, nuclear warheads. Big Pharma is outspending them uh, as far as contracts, right? And so it, as far as the mainstream media or getting any newspaper or television channel to, to run an advertisement on this, I mean, that Andrea Yates uh, case was very big. That was like tabloid news for, for 10 years, right? Well, why was it never brought up that the cause of those incidents was the medication she was on, right? I mean, that's, that's something like nobody's ever heard of. Uh, as far as the mass shooters, there's a, there's a really great article on Thought Catalog about it. There's also a law firm down in L.A., Baum Headlands, that published some stuff about it. But all these guys, the, uh, the Virginia Tech shooter, uh, Sung Hoyt Cho, he was on Paxil and Prozac. Jeff Weiss was on Prozac. Robert Hawkins, uh, let's see, he was on some type of an SSRI. Actually, there's a documentary, it's called um uh, what was it called Speed Demons Dying for Attention? It was made by a guy named Andrew Tybalt, who actually sued the Food and Drug Administration to get these okay. records released. And he wrote a, made a documentary about a guy named Myron May, uh, who committed a mass shooting down at Florida State. Well, guess what Myron May's day job was? He was an assistant district attorney. He was a law enforcement officer. He was a prosecutor at the prosecutor's office. And he went to the doctor, and they prescribed him Vyvanse for uh, adult uh, attention deficit disorder. And he experienced uh, stimulant-based psychosis. Went totally crazy, became paranoid, and shot a bunch of people in the law library at Florida State. And that's, you know, it comes off as conspiracy theory stuff. And I wouldn't have believed it if I, if I hadn't had this experience and, and sat down and did the research myself. But it, it is, in fact, true. And if you go back to the scientific research internationally, uh, they've known about this for a very long time. Right. Um, but it isn't something yeah. that the mainstream media is ever going to talk about. And it definitely isn't something that the doctors are ever going to bring to the attention of the patients. Right.
0: It's just, it just, it's, oh, it's I'm about, sorry. it's about money.
1: Of course it's about money. Um, you know, I mean, it, they take almost no financial hit, even when incidents as severe as Columbine occur, right? I mean, that costs them nothing compared to the profits that they're making. Watching television, and they would have these, uh, you know, big tobacco hearings. It was like right before they were forced to admit, okay, yeah, we haven't given everybody cancer for like 50 years. You know, but all the tobacco executives would be uh, be up there smoking ben, and you- they'd be like, Cancer? I never heard of that. My doctor told me to take these cigarettes. More doctors smoke Camel 100.
0: They were, they were like pers- doctors back then were like almost prescribing it to their patients as ways of being like, listen, this is a sedative that will relax you. You should smoke a cigarette. It's good for you. And, and, and when we see these, I remember as a kid, I told you, uh, we, there was a study done back in the, the, the nineties, I think it was late nineties and, or no, early nineties. And more kids were associating with who Camel Joe hilarious. was than Mickey mouse, right? This is, this is like the, 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 a, a crazy thing. Cause when we were kids, cause I'm, I'm 40, I'm 43. I remember Mad Magazine, things like Maxim, Sports Illustrated. I remember the inserts of having Camel Joe. I remember the Marlboro Man. That was the one that I identify with. I'm like, this guy's fucking cool. Like the Marlboro Man was cool. And back then you could get, you know, like, I I remember looking at him being like, he's a man's man. And he always smoked on filters, right? Because that just made you like a real man. This is this is a psychological warfare that has played on us that we look at. By the way, Edward Bernays did the same thing with women's cigarettes in the in the 1950s or 1950s. So Edward Bernays, it was during um, during the uh, Thanksgiving Day, the Macy's Day Parade in Times Square. And they were having a really hard time getting women to smoke cigarettes. And they knew that if they could get women to smoke cigarettes, more men would smoke cigarettes, right? But women found it to be disgusting. So what they did was they hired these beautiful models to walk through the Macy's Day Parade, rebelling against society and smoking cigarettes and looking really cool. And the women that were there and the people that were watching it were so overwhelmed. They thought it was so sexy and cool that it became this rebellious, sexy thing for women to smoke cigarettes. It's a mind play we need to realize that the war that we deal with on a daily basis is it begins in the mind. And then what it does is it manifests around us. a hundred
1: percent. You know, there's, there's a lot of people don't know, but the history of pharmaceuticals has a bunch of stories like that, aside from just tobacco that are just insane. For example, bear, you know, bear aspirin, the aspirin company, uh, you know, they have the yellow label, right? A lot of people don't know yeah. is that they actually uh, successfully, Came up with a cure for opiate addiction. Right. They they claimed that they had cured opiate addiction, that there would be no more morphine or opiate addicts anymore, and that they've they've got a miracle cure. And uh, and then they marketed it all across the United States, including to children. They used to put it in children's cough syrup. And the name of their miracle cure was heroin. So, Bayer Aspirin Company is the first company that synthesized heroin. They did it in Germany, right? And for years, that was included in cough syrup. There's old advertisements with kids taking their heroin cough syrup.
0: Well, in in, in 2003, uh, Bear paid out almost six hundred million dollars. He settled a lawsuit uh, with the with uh, hemophiliacs, thousands of American hemophiliacs, because they knowingly sold blood clotting agents infected with HIV to Asia and Latin America for months after withdrawing yeah. it from Europe and the U.S. This is like this is insane, right? So they sold this blood clotting drug, and what they did was they knew that it had HIV, it was tainted. They didn't give a shit. That's why, again, I say to people, why you know Pfizer has paid out more money than any other pharmaceutical company in the history. They've had more lawsuits against them for for people dying, for people having uh, some type of horrific reaction. To to these pharmaceutical drugs, and yet we're supposed to just line up and go, oh, no, no, yeah, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to listen to what you say. People need to take a step back and realize that they're not in the business. They're never in the business for curing, right? They don't want to cure you because they could come up. They could have come up with a cancer treatment. They want to sustain you.
1: That it took my little federal government employee brain it took like two years for that to flip and realize hey wait a minute these pills that she's been telling me to take aren't helpful and they're not making me happy for some reason i'm in prison and i can't control the movements of my face so eventually what happened is the yep. uh, if you leave a patient on that medication for long term and they are transitioning onto and off of the medication, but it causes acute psychosis. What they do not explain to you is when you call that emergency phone number that they tell you to call, the, the police show up and you are going to prison in California. Uh, so what, what's on the audio recordings that the therapist has, the medical reaction is called akathisia with tardive dyskinesia and serotonin toxicity. She then takes the confidential audio recordings from this phone call, gives them to the police, and says, go arrest Benjamin Bates he's in Northern Virginia somewhere, while deliberately withholding the fact that, by the way, those are the exact known side effects of the medication I spent four years telling him to take. That's how I learned all this stuff. And there would have been no way for me, the vast majority of the patients that this happens to, I have no idea. I had no idea what happened until well after I was in prison. Uh, The way that I found out was towards the end of my two year sentence, they finally gave us time to go to the library. You know, it was like, okay, well you can either go out to the yard and get beaten to death by the bulldogs or the South deciders, or you can go to the library and work on your case. So I was like, well, (laughs) uh, and I found a book that just said, um, You know, so I checked out, (laughs) like, five or six different psychiatry books. The withdrawal symptoms from this stuff are horrific, you know. It causes involuntary facial and limb movements, profuse sweating, jaw snapping. So I'm going through all this stuff in solitary, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. My Samoan prison gang leader is very clear about the fact that he will have me, you know, murdered if I don't stop making weird faces, Right. And all of this, you know, they've actually proven in scientific research, when patients are having those kinds of symptoms, the weirdest thing is the tardive dyskinesia patients. If you see videotapes of this, they're flailing around like crazy. They can't control, especially around their mouth. They're, like, twitching like crazy. When the psychiatrist went back and reviewed that and interviewed those patients, they said, you know, do the involuntary facial and limb movements bother you? And the response that they got from 95% of those patients was what involuntary limb and facial movements. They were completely, because it's affecting your brain, TD patients are completely unaware of the fact that they even have that symptom. And it's not subtle. I mean, this is the point where people are not going to be able to sleep at night. Uh, Most of them eventually end up secluding themselves. They can't, you know, you can't go to a, You can't get an office job after this this happens. Luckily, mine was mostly from withdrawing from the drugs. It it does still happen now. So I checked out five or six of these psychiatry textbooks, and out of all of them, there is literally one sentence at the bottom of uh, the end of the chapter on page 53 of Introduction to Bipolar Disorder by John Francis Monty Moore, 3rd edition that says in the months or even years after a patient starts on antidepressant medication, if they begin to experience new mood symptoms like problems with rages, and that really stuck with me because that was exactly the term in the trial transcript that the prosecutors kept screaming over and over again. There's this unbelievable rage on these audio recordings. Uh, so when they let me into the mental health program uh, like about a month and a half before I got released, you know, they take you over and I'm in my little blue pajamas handcuffed to a chair in front of these mental health counselors. And it was the first time that I'd been allowed to speak to a psychiatrist since I'd been arrested. And I just told them, you know, you know they asked me why you want in the mental health program. And I was, you know, I kind of fumbled and like pulled out of my, little elastic band, this piece of paper that I had folded up. And I said, I found this sentence in a psychiatry textbook. Can this stuff that she was telling me to take really cause rage episodes? And the answer from the California state psychiatrist employed by the CDCR, that's the California Department of Corrections, is, oh, yeah, big time, definitely. Hey, that's probably how you got in here. You know, it's actually a lot more likely that you would commit a horrific act of violence while you were on that well butran you were taking. You know, and no, none of the doctors had mentioned any of this for 10 years of, of treatment prior to this. And you got to remember the complaining witness, the victim in this situation, is the same therapist who spent four years convincing me to take Lexapro.
0: Was the one that she prescribed the medication
1: specifically said, take this medication. Yeah. So she tells me, take this medication, take this medication multiple times over the course of four years, then comes back, files criminal charges against me from 2,600 miles away for displaying the exact known serious life-threatening side effects of the medication that she told me to take. Now, when I that didn't really explain it all, and that definitely is not going to be enough to overturn a triple felony conviction in federal court. So when I got out, I started reading uh, and researching it on the internet, and that's when I found doctors like uh, David Healy and uh, Dr. David Antonuccio. He's been fantastic. He's, he's a real, uh, really amazing guy. He was a professor emeritus out at uh, University of Nevada, Reno, and they basically dedicated their lives to these, this issue with very little impact. Uh, I mean, they have had an extreme – there is an incredible amount of resistance from the medical industry as a whole that anything that is coming from the doctor could possibly be harmful. So I then created a website. Uh, There is a database at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration called FAERS. It's F-A-E-R-S, and that's the Federal Adverse Event Reporting System. Uh, And legally and as far as, you know – the brain damage that i got there is nothing that anybody will ever do about it and we've, we've been working for three years the judges law enforcement they don't seem to mind that this lady is pushing dope that causes homicide in california uh illegally
0: so she's still practicing oh yeah she's she, still, in she's still office practicing right now
1: today where she sat down and told three different people it's my moral and ethical obligation to make sure you're taking this prozac with no warning whatsoever you know, the, the, when we did the FOIA request, the Freedom of Information Act request to the, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the reports that we got back, uh, one guy was issued Lexapro, the same medication that, that I was issued. The side effects that are listed in that report uh, are mania, derealization, brutal homicide, beat mother to death with like a tire iron or something. Uh, He was prescribed Lexapro with Diovan and uh, Ativan. Uh, And if you look at the reports, there's a number of disturbing trends. The most disturbing trend is that out of all the patients who did commit homicide, uh, there's a very consistent pattern that the vast majority of the homicides were where they murdered a a member of their own family, uh, including children. Right? So like, for example, David Crespi, was a banking executive at a bank chain in Florida that later became Wachovia Bank. He was a senior vice president there. And he was prescribed Prozac along with Lunesta, Ativan, and um, uh, Trazodone Jesus. for sleep, right? So what they'll do is, is they'll prescribe the SSRI, which is a stimulant. It's similar to amphetamines, the same class as amphetamines. Uh, and then they will counteract the effects of that because it's not widely advertised that this is this incredibly powerful stimulant. They'll then counteract that with a, uh, a downer at night to put them to sleep, right? So a lot of the patients complain I'm wired on this stuff. They're not telling yeah. them, uh, by the way, the medication that you're taking is more, more a more powerful stimulant than methamphetamine. Uh, and, and David Crespi, I, I correspond with him in prison. It's heartbreaking. There's actually pictures of his kids on my website. Um, he, he stabbed both his five year old daughters to death. He had twin daughters, Samantha and Tetser, and he went completely psychotic and uh, stabbed them both to death. And all the patients in these reports did the same exact thing right after committing these absolutely horrific, uncharacteristic acts of violence. They then go back and uh, call nine one one, right? So, like both Andrea Yates and David Crespi, there's nine one one calls where David Crespi calls nine one one and says, "You, you know, can you send somebody over? Uh, something has gone seriously wrong. I just murdered all my children. I don't know what happened." And that gets swept under the rug, you know. That does not. The MDA is not going to revoke approval for the drugs. Yeah, it does. Uh, and they aren't going to do anything to prevent future incidents of that type.
0: Well, the other thing that's really difficult too is if, if anyone is to to try to do research on it, and if you wanted to look up Lexapro, Prozac, Wellbutrin, uh, you know, uh, Zoloft, any one of these these serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The problem is, is that you need to go, you got to do a pretty deep dive uh, on something like Google, because the problem is that everything's washed, right? Google is also heavily involved uh, in making sure.
1: There's a ton of studies out there that show that these do have positive effects. But if you go back and trace the origin of those studies, the pharmaceutical companies are hiring ghostwriters. They're hiring professional doctors to go in and they're paying them to make a positive study. I mean, that's, you know, very, uh, that's a very serious issue because it means that a lot of the studies out there, the British Medical Journal apparently still has a very good reputation. But the other ones that are out there do not. And a lot of that is being written by people who are paid, financed by the pharmaceutical companies to say something positive about SSRIs.
0: No, no. I'm just going to say that, that what, what people I, I think it's how I, I would ask you how many people a year are prescribed, um, are prescribed these drugs. I think that's important because this this goes into exactly why there are they're putting out all these studies, why they're pushing so heavily. Let's talk about. I'd love to. You know the number, and I, right. I, I was trying to find so the number, but I don't find I can't find the exact. number. So most number of the research studies of, of are prior
1: to the COVID, COVID shutdown, and then the number uh, there was twenty percent. So 1 in 5, 20% of the U.S. population, which works out to about 40 to 50 million people, right? Well, even if these incidents are very rare, you're giving it to everyone. So sooner or later, there's going to be more of these incidents. And then the other thing that I was going to bring up is now that they did the COVID shutdown, remember those two years where we're all sitting in our houses watching Netflix? They then increased the amount of prescriptions for SSRI medications by 40%, right? So you're now looking at more than one in five people that's on this stuff. And it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. You know, uh, there was a great research study by uh, Dr. Joseph Glenn Mullen. He's a, a teaching uh, professor, uh, psychiatrist at both Harvard University. This guy is a real genius. I mean, he, he teaches at Harvard Medical School and Harvard Law School. Like Harvard Law School is his side hustle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think some of those guys, it's just like, okay, I get it, you're, you're smart, right? Like, uh, But he published a, a research study with um, Thomas Moore of the Institute of Safe Medication Practices in Arlington, Virginia, where they iterated through the FDA database and calculated out stats on How likely are each one of these medications to cause an act of violence, right? Well, uh, Prozac's number one, right? Across the board, out of 14,484 medications that can potentially cause a violent act, uh, Prozac is well in the lead, right? It was briefly surpassed by Chantix uh, until the FDA took it off the market earlier. This year, the interesting thing is the FDA did not take Chantix off the market because it causes people to murder their neighbors, right? They took it off the market because it could potentially co- contain cancer-causing agents that will cause cancer over the long term. <laughs> Which is, like, I, this is the best smoking cessation. Drug it's ever. it's insane. Go, in the head, go to prison, do 20 years where you don't have access to cigarettes and are, are therefore a non-smoker. But what came back from Glenn Mullen's study was that Prozac, a lot of people don't know, amphetamines are actually legal in certain contexts, right? Like doctors can prescribe them, they prescribe them for uh, adult attention deficit disorder, uh, narcolepsy, I think, as well as ADD in kids. So from that study, what I got is Prozac is in fact, uh, it's kind of proportional reporting ratio of 9.3. Well, amphetamines, you know, the stuff in Breaking Bad, right? Well, that's only like an (laughs) 8.9. Like, yep, that's insane. And then the other thing was like, I think it was six of the top 11 drugs on the list were selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors.
0: So I think you're, you know, I also want to talk about something else that you're, I want to bring up something else that we're not, that we're not talking about, which is one, there, there, there should always be the alternative for the medications or should be, that should be the first thing that's offered. But one of the things that we're not talking about, which I also believe, why, uh, why also believe that there is a. Um, another increase is that we are we are seeing you know twenty thirty years ago when people were taking the medication these these young men and women they're having children, and those children have had defects. They are. They are. If people don't think for one second that there aren't birth defects from the antidepressant, that the, the anti—excuse the, me—the the antidepressants that these women are taking, they're wrong. I mean, we are seeing the uptick in breast cancer, and organ damage, and heart disease, bleeding of the brain, and that's not even— that's not—it has nothing to do with the psychosis, the hallucinations, right? These are actual just a, permanent damage, physical ailments.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: you know, a long time and it's right. it's crazy. I mean, you know, I.
1: I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there was a drug called thaliomide. Uh I think it was in the 60s and 70s, and it was causing babies to be born without limbs, right? So they were, you know, a baby would come out, and it would have, like, one arm instead of two or no legs or things like that. And it, even with that, it took years for the FDA to eventually come back and remove it from the market because the, the pharmaceutical companies were saying, no, 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 this is totally unrelated, right? So they will do stuff like that. Uh, a really good point that I think you made, and there's multiple research studies to support this, is that cognitive behavioral therapy, just sitting down on a couch and talking to somebody and trying to help them work their way through their problems, that reduces the chances that a patient will commit suicide by 50%. I mean, it, it cuts out half the suicides right yeah. there. Where uh, Dr. David Healy has run uh, independent medical trials in England, uh, and it clearly shows that uh, Prozac, any of these SSRI medications, actually doubles or triples the chances that a patient will commit suicide. So it increases the chances that that will happen, which I had. That's insane. Well what would be the pur- like what is the purpose of having an antidepressant with a known side effect of depression? Depression is one of the side effects of the drug.
0: Correct. But but this is this is there's the rub, right? Because again, it's not about dealing with the actual problem, it's just covering up the symptom. You know, even things like light therapy. You know, there was a study done years ago that 40% they they took after 8 weeks, they took a group of individuals and after 8 weeks 40% of the group uh for 30 minutes a day being involved in bright light 40% of them experienced, they had no longer, they had, they had no more depression. It was done. That was it. And, and 20% of those people who took Prozac had the same results. Only 20% of people had that, that took Prozac had the same results. And yet 40% of people did the exact same thing right? Like this is, again, we talk about, you know, being involved in the light, getting out in the sun, but there's also this whole push of people who don't get out in the sun, have put tons of, you know, protectant on your skin. Your body needs vitamin D and, and the sun is, it's, look, I, you're out in California. I'm, a, I'm in Arizona. There is nothing nicer than being out in the sun and feeling it on your face. You just, it does, it immediately can uplift your spirit. There is a actual connection and we're talking about light therapy. You can get a fucking light box for a hundred bucks, if not less on Amazon with no side effects. If you don't like it, you just put it Those in your, are, in your yeah, closet. No. You just get rid of it.
1: There are zero side effects to cognitive behavior. There's no therapy. side effect to sitting down on a couch and, and talking to a weird German guy that smokes a pipe, right? Like it's right. Just therapy. Yes. There's no side effects whatsoever. Um, I, I think you brought up a lot of really interesting points for, for your show. One of the points that I really wanted to bring up is here in California, tomorrow we're having primary elections, right? And there is a huge yeah. debate about these ghost guns. The ghost guns are going to get you. There's people, you know, there's bad guys out there lurking around 3D printing anonymous guns, right? And they're going to cause these mass shootings. And And what the government is not explaining to people is that they are excluding a significant portion of this debate the guns themselves are not causing these incidents. It's the medication. No, they're not. You know, I mean, the chances that all of these guys were on the same class of medication, right? Right before they started having these problems, right before they became extremely violent, uh, and that, that's unrelated. That, that's just total BS. Um, Actually, and to make things clear, I'm a liberal Democrat, right? So I by no means, I've never owned a gun. I'm not a gun guy, but what I'm saying is that yeah. taking people's rights to have a gun away, right, or putting people in jail. Some of the guys I was in jail with were in there just for having a gun. Was well, is to ask them, what did you do with a gun? Did you, sh- did you shoot somebody? No. Well, did you rob a liquor store? No. Well, what did you do with it? Well, I just had it. I'm not allowed to have one because I'm a felon. And so I'm doing like six years.
0: Well, that's like me. I'm not allowed to have one because I'm a felon. I, know, I, I, you know, I went to prison. I went to prison for conspiracy to commit mail fraud.
1: i got to like, you know, throw coffee cups at him or something. <laughs> like, well, I'm just saying. The, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I feel like
1: that it's bullshit. In, it is total bullshit. Rob Bonta is full bullshit, right? <laughs> And the other thing that I would point out is that they are the California attorney general's office is the one in federal court. Who's arguing back against my post-conviction attorneys. We're trying to get this overturned and make no doubt about it. I am innocent. I have always been not guilty. I was not in California when this happened and I did not intend to have a medically induced psychotic episode that could have easily resulted in my death. Right? Uh, And their argument is, and I'll tell you the exact wording of it, Mr. Bathan's own declaration contradicts the theory that he did not know the medication would have this effect or cause him to become violent on the dates in question because these side effects have been taking place for months, if not years. Well, these are very smart people. Tardive dyskinesia is a form of brain damage, right? People with brain damage. Right don't medically diagnose themselves with obscure medically induced neurological disorders that most doctors have never heard of. The vast majority of doctors out there have never heard of tardive dyskinesia, right? That's why it's such a
0: Uh, More importantly, people with brain damage, Benjamin, people with brain damage don't know that they have brain damage, right? So if you have brain damage, it's not like you're sitting going, you know what?
1: That's more likely to make you go psychotic than crystal meth that have not been told right? yeah. that we told to take this. I right. Over, I, you know, it was like Wednesday. She always told me to take this stuff. So I went over and picked it up at CVS. Right. Like it's not, it's not a street drug. No, absolutely not. I did not know that I had an or tardive dyskinesia. I thought I was really, really tired and I didn't know why I was having trouble finding my car in the parking lot of my office. Um, And so what I'm asking people to do, you know, is stop and really think, do you really want uh, an attorney general in charge of the most powerful law enforcement organization in California who's allowing his deputy attorney generals to make false statements in federal court? It's illegal. Under the federal code, it is illegal to lie, uh, knowingly lie, in any of the the branches of the federal government, the judicial, legislative or executive. I mean, they can't just make things up. Uh, And I think his his debate about... Unfortunately,
0: that that is the case.
1: Oh, yeah, they do it all the time. They've done this like 20 times over the course of the last five years. Right. But uh, you know, the argument that taking these guns away is going to make things safer. I'm not a huge advocate for guns, but that argument is flawed. And it, it That will not solve the problem that we are currently having. Uh, So, you know,
0: no, the question is, is that, by the way, criminals, criminals still get guns. Criminals still get guns. It's a law-abiding citizens that get screwed. And yes, some of these people that have gone on mass shootings have absolutely okay. Even if they got them legally, my question is: if if people really gave a shit about what's going on with with guns, why isn't anyone in Detroit? Why isn't anyone going to Chicago? Why isn't people going down to Los Angeles? Why aren't they going to Philadelphia, where there's there's continual shootings all the time between you know gang members and and people you know in in urban cities where there's a lot of issues with guns and those guns are. Not legal, legally bought guns. Right? The only people that you hurt are law-abiding citizens. The average response time for a cop in a suburban area is seven minutes. It's an hour and twenty-five minutes in the in the in the inner city. Who are you hurting? Who are you hurting? Law-abiding citizens. It's stupid.
1: looking at that as the only solution to on the problem, there are a variety of different factors including the overprescription of psychoactive drugs that are causing these incidents. Yes. But simply taking those away, I think you make a really good point. You know, the guys that I was in Chino with, if they're going to go out and commit a crime, they're not going over to get that gun at Dick's sporting goods. Right. I mean, that's, no, no. you know, I mean, they, they just, no, I mean, they're buying it. Out well, and you said it, you just said it. Yeah, I
0: mean, it, it, like Benjamin, you just said it, right? It's 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 the the symptom of the problem is the gun. It's not the cause. That's you know, not I, the root like, cause. Okay. So just my, like with everything else,
1: my jujitsu instructor told me, yeah, this, right when we were learning, he said, "If I was a kung fu instructor, I would say these are the leaves of the tree, but the roots lay elsewhere." Yeah, right. Like right. The, the roots let's get let's get to
0: the actual problem.
1: Much different. The gun shootings are the leaves, right? But in foreign countries, uh, there was an incident that was really highly publicized in Ireland. A guy named Shane, Shane Clancy, who was a college student, was given citalopram it is a very similar medication to the one that I took, and he committed a mass stabbing, right? So he had broken up with his girlfriend. He was depressed. They gave him citalopram. Um, his mother, Leone Fennell, I, I correspond with her. She's gotten a whole antidepressant awareness campaign over there in Europe. Uh, but he actually bought a knife set, then went to the ex-girlfriend's house, stabbed her, stabbed her new boyfriend to death, stabbed her brother. And here's the, the really compelling aspect of it, was he then walked down the street under the influence of this overdose of citalopram and committed suicide, but the way that he committed suicide was by stabbing himself through the chest and abdomen 19 times until he punctured his own heart, right? So, he didn't have a gun, right? Uh, in other countries, right. like in Japan, people go crazy like that too, but they don't have mass shootings, they have mass stabbings. So there are right. crazy people everywhere and i don't think that allowing pharmaceutical companies to go out and market this stuff to kids they're selling it to kids they want to market it for pediatric use yeah uh going to help any you know giving people amphetamines well, they want to, to get them young
0: I, no i mean yeah. that's what ritalin does That's what uh you know I, i'm sure and and i'd love to because as as we're coming towards the end of the show i'd love to be able to Would you wanna would you wanna come back on and do a second, do a part two with me?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because I'd love to I'd love to get you back on. I know that we're coming close, it's coming to the end and I, I I definitely I'm, I'm be, like I think you 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 got an incredible story. I want to tap into the methamphetamine aspect of what it's doing to our kids with Ritalin and things like um uh you know ADHD, all the ADHD drugs. I know that in Silicon Valley one of the big drugs and I I've, I've messed with the two to kind of see um what it would do which is Modafinil. Um I'd love to have a conversation with yeah, you. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but I'm sure you probably have heard some people discussing that.
1: Um that? That and, and really kind of
0: dive into your case. So modafinil is from yeah. uh, the movie Limitless, or, or they said that that's that kind of drug, right? Um, and it's interesting oh. because I've myself having some really interesting interactions from it. So, um, but yeah, I, I'd love to have you back on the show. I, what I want you to do now is let everyone know where they can find you, how they can touch you, how they can read more about you. I will make sure I put that in the show notes as well, but I want everyone to be able to contact you if they want to.
1: Absolutely. So I've created two websites that go over all this information. I tried to get as many statistics up there as possible. Those statistics are directly from the United States Food and Drug Administration. They're unaltered. Right. So the first website is www.wrongfulssriconvictions.com. That goes over my case. It goes over um, a bunch of different cases, Christopher Pittman, David Crespi, and gives a general overview of, of the whole subject, and then www.antidepressantstatistics.com. And the goal of that is it, it, it connects to the database at the FDA. It pulls the statistics for violence uh, caused by SSRIs, and it publishes those and makes them public uh, publicly available to anyone, anybody that wants to look it up. So, you know, for each one of these, Uh, In the military, we call it confirmed kills. Right now, Lexapro's got 4,017 suicides, and it looks like about 38 fully completed homicides attributed to it. And like 638 gunshot wounds, those are mostly completed suicides. I don't think gunshot wounds or imprisonment is an exception. I want all of you to check
0: check out Ben's site's. You know, check out Ben's site. Check, check out. I, I, I read his background as well. It's incredible. He's got a ton of information. I mean, a plethora of information. If you really want to dive into this, I'm absolutely going to have you back on the show again, Ben. Uh, you know, it's, it was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. I ask everyone to follow, to like, to continue to spread this word, to recognize that as the whole reason why this show came about was the importance of understanding that our truth, our light, who we really are resides with inside of us. And when we continue to try to seek our happiness to fill the void inside, side from the outside from external things this is how we want to keep searching we need to find ways to be able to really understand what it is that we're that's bothering us what is the root problem we need to unpack it we need to really sit with it resonate with it so we can move forward we need to understand at the end of the day one of the most important things in this world is understanding what our purpose is and our value of who we are so i thank all of you again like spread the word go on Ben's site. Let's make sure that we understand and and help push the message of what Big Pharma is actually doing with their lies and corruptions, especially when it comes to SSRIs. I thank all of you. God bless.